Radio Elk Grove. Our schools and our kids could face major changes this election day. Who are all these school board candidates? Welcome to this special presentation of Radio Elk Grove, Elk Grove's only internet radio magazine. I'm your host, Denny Gomez. Thanks for tuning in. On this edition, a special presentation of the Candidates' Night Debates, Part 2, The School Board Races. We hear from all the candidates in the upcoming election, many of whom are unknown to the public. This, on today's Radio Elk Road. Let's look into it together. The following is a complete recording of the School Board Debate, recorded September 17th, 2012, as part of Candidates' Night. In a one-hour forum, seven candidates running to fill three seats on the Elk Grove Unified School District's Board of Trustees answer questions from local reporters and the audience. Though not a majority, the election of three out of seven board members can have a major impact on local education, making this one of the most important forums of the next four years. We want to thank the sponsors of the event, the Elk Grove News, the Elk Grove Patch, and the Sacramento Bee for making this recording possible. Let's join the session as they return from their break. Welcome back to the Elk Grove Candidates Night, sponsored by ElkGroveNews.net, Elk Grove Patch, and the Sacramento Bee. I'm Felicia Mello. I'm Associate Regional Editor for Patch in the Sacramento area, and I'll be moderating tonight's event. This event is also being recorded for broadcast by Access Sacramento TV and Radio Elk Grove. You can watch it on Access Sacramento on Sunday, September 30th at 5 p.m. We're going to continue now with the school board portion of tonight's event. And I'd like to welcome the candidates for Elk Grove Unified School District Board. I'll introduce them. Please hold your applause until the end. We have eight candidates tonight running for three board seats. In area one, we have Susan Parvis, James Latoa, and Tony Perez. In area six, we have Jake Rambo and Steve Lee. And in area seven, we have Al Rowlett, Carmine Forcina, and Teresa Beals. Let's have a round of applause for all the school board candidates. Our panel of journalists for the school board portion of tonight's event is slightly different than earlier. I want to welcome back Dan Gowardy, editor of Elk Grove News, and Cody Katara, editor of Elk Grove Patch. And they're joined by Diana Lambert, an education reporter for the Sacramento Bee. For those of you who are just joining us, I'm going to review our format. Each candidate will give a one-minute opening statement. That will be followed by questions from our panel of journalists. The panelists will take turns posing questions to the candidates running for a particular area seat. Each candidate for that seat will have up to three minutes to respond to the question, and then we'll move on to the next panelist. And if a panelist feels that a candidate has directly criticized another candidate in any way, they may give that other candidate a chance to respond for one minute. We've also saved some time at the end, again, for audience questions. Uh, if you would like to ask a question of a candidate, please raise your hand, and Joseph will bring you a card. You can fill out the card with the, your question and the name of the candidate you'd like to direct it to, and then Joseph will bring your question up here to the podium. So let's hear from the candidates. First, we'll go to Ms. Parvis for her opening statement. Good evening, and thank you for taking the time to come out tonight to make an informed decision about the school district in our area. My name is Susan Parvis. I've lived in Area 1 since 1990. Um, my three children have all attended the Elk Grove School District, K through 12. One is actually at uh, grade 10, so he's not technically completed it yet, and I'm still hoping he will. I, um, I bring a lot of experience to the position. I have been working in the schools, in the classrooms for various teachers, doing after school programs and such for the past 15 years. I have a degree in finance and because I still have kids in the system, I think I still have a vested interest in what happens in the district. Uh, greetings, uh, my name is James Latoa. I also uh, am a guardian of three that are still in the Oak Grove Unified School District. 
it's a great uh, day of democracy right here in Elk Grove, California. Can't you say that? Uh, one thing that uh, uh, I am proud of is that I represent the the voices of the community that is not connected with any of our board members that are already on top or any of a special interest group, if you will. Uh, one thing that uh, I have been the chairman two years for the Elk Grove for the English Language Learner uh, Association, for the uh, Hispanics, the diverse community. Last year I was the chairman for the James Rudder English Language Learner community. So I am already involved in the community as it is right now. So it's good to be here uh, tonight in Talofa. Mr. Perez? Oh, what a heavy mic. I would like to thank the sponsors of today's forum, Elk Grove Patch, Elk Grove Newsnet, and the Sacramento Bee. A little history about myself. My mother is a native Californian who worked in the canneries for 40 years and provided for her three children. I'm a product of hard work. The first to graduate from college in my family, I have a BA in, from San Francisco State and a teacher's credential and a master's degree in education from USC. I taught in the local school districts here in grades K to 12. I know, I appreciate the hard work of our teachers. I was also a civil servant in the Department of Health Services for 20 years servicing women, children, and community clinics. I have two children, one with special needs, who attended Elk Grove Unified School District. I successfully advocated for full inclusion for his special needs. He graduated from high school, Florin High School. I know the power of education to change people's lives. I lived it, my kids lived it, and I want every child to have the best education possible. Thank you. Mr. Rambo. My name is Jake Rambo, and since March of this year, I've had the pleasure of serving you as a member of the Elk Grove Unified School District Board of Trustees. It is truly the, one of the highest honors that has ever been bestowed upon me. I came to the board as a uh, graduate of Elk Grove Unified School District Schools. I graduated high school, and within a few weeks, I was back on campus volunteering as a coach, a youth mentor, um, and in various other capacities, and I've done that for the last 18 years. That experience defined who I was, uh, taught me a deep and passionate love for public education in our community. I am also uh, fortunate to be married to one of the best chief advisors anyone could ever have. Uh, my wife, Sonia, came to California unable to speak English. She struggled to learn English in our schools um, and has risen to the level now where she's a leader in education. She's seeking a master's degree uh, to become a public, uh, public school principal. What those experiences have taught me is that public education is not about red and blue. It's about kids, not politics and teaching those children about the importance of diversity and all the colors of the rainbow. And that's been my commitment, and that will continue to be my commitment as your school board member. Mr. Good evening. How are you all doing? My name is Steve Lee, and I come to you uh, with a wealth of experience in the public education system. I am a product of public schools. I was never homeschooled. I was never uh, in a charter school or a private school. I came here to the States many, many years ago, not speaking a word of English, but I had the privilege to take part in uh, acquiring uh, an education here in the United States. And uh, today I come to you asking for, for your vote uh, to uh, help me uh, get a chance to give back and pay back. Um, I have a degree from the University of California. I have a doctor from UNC. Uh, I work for the Sacramento County Office of Education. I work uh, in teaching and pre-teaching uh, curriculum to foster youth students. I have uh, volunteered for uh, my school. I am the husband of a veteran Elk Grove teacher. Uh, I am the proud father of two uh, adorable, uh, handsome boys at Carroll Elementary. Thank you. Mr. Ballot. Good evening, everyone. 
I am uh, the current trustee for Area 7 for the Elk Grove Unified School District. I've been honored to serve in that area for the last three years. I have five children who have matriculated and earned diplomas at the Elk Grove Unified School District. I have one proud sixth grader at Arnold Adriani Elementary School. I'm committed to quality public education, and if reelected, will continue to do so and maintain that commitment without fail. I will continue to recognize the importance of and the need for open conversations that invite constituents to share their ideas and let me know what they're thinking. I, too, have a master's degree in health services administration, in addition, a second master's degree as a social worker and a licensed clinician in the state of California. I use this plethora of experience and expertise to provide you the kind of expert leadership that you would expect from a trustee at the Oak Grove Unified School. District. I look forward to your vote and will assure you I will earn it. I thank you. Mr. Fortuna. Thank you. Good evening. My name is Carmen Fortuna and I am a candidate for the Elk Grove School Board in Trustee Area 7. Solving difficult fiscal issues while promoting and maintaining strong educational programs and positive employee relationships are tasks that do not need to conflict with one another. In my opinion, strong directed leadership has been noticeably absent in the board for many years, which has resulted in negative staff board relationships, an erosion of learning opportunities for students, and a lack of community support for board decisions. I have 28 years of direct educational experiences as a teacher and a manager in general education, education of individuals with exceptional needs, regional occupational training programs, Head Start, migrant education, and community schools. As a member of the board, I intend to restore balance between the needs of the district and all stakeholders, foster respect, improve opportunities for all learners, and treat all employees fairly and with respect. Thank you. Ms. Beals. Good evening. I do not have all the experience that everyone else has mentioned here. I'm a parent in, at Sunrise Elementary School in District 7. I come to the table with being the president of the parent group for the last five years, seeing on the front lines what's needed at the schools by the teachers, by our students, and not seeing that coming down from up above. So where I come from is a parent and as a mom in a school who has seen what needs to be done and my intent is to go to the school board if voted in to fight for the children, to fight for the classrooms, to see what needs to be done in the classrooms and make sure that the, as many educational dollars as we can put into a classroom get there and not somewhere up above that place. We're going to go to questions. The first question will come from Dan Gowardy of Elk Grove News. And Dan will ask a question to the candidates of Area 1. Thank you. Should, thank you. Should both Propositions 30 and 35 fail this November, would you be willing, Lowther, would you be willing to put a proposition on the ballot asking voters in the Elk Grove Unified School District to approve a special assessment for further funding of our local schools. Ms. Parvis, we can start with you. Wow. That would be a, a big blow to the school if both those propositions failed because the governor has already told us how he's going to cut the budget and exactly what those trigger cuts are going to look like. And they are catastrophic. I feel that our kids are so vitally important that whatever we need to do as a community to make it through this tough budgetary time, we need to try to do. And as much as I hate more taxes or another bond on my property tax assessment, I think our kids are worth it. And I would support that idea of funding. Not that that might be the only option we have, but it's definitely worth one looking at. Uh, respect to the question, here's what we're, we're, we're fighting for. We need to make sure that we're proactive right now to the get-go. Make sure you let your neighbors know, everyone know that we need to pass Proposition 30. If it fails like the news porter has, uh, has reported, 
we cannot, Elk Grove is facing one of the highest foreclosure rates that we've ever seen. We cannot have more taxes that are burdened on the low-income families, such as myself. I'm asking that our constituents and our stakeholders really do not wait till that time comes, but take the opportunity right now that we have time to tell our neighbors about Proposition 30, Proposition 30 and ask for that to pass. Because if it doesn't pass, we're going to find more deficit to our own family, such as a low-income family, such as myself. I don't believe citizens of California will let us down. I believe they will pass Proposition 30. But if it didn't pass, this is what we have to going to do. We're going to have to cut expenses, increase revenues, or combine ex ex expenses, expense cuts, and increase revenues. Either one of those three. This is what happened, Davis UC. I mean, Davis Unified School District. Those individual citizens were very astute, as you know. In order to fund their schools, they, they developed a ballot themselves, and it passed. They're one of the best schools, districts in California, just like Elk Grove Unified School District, just like us. And why did they do that? Because they know when they have the best schools in the, in the area, their value of the homes go up. And their homes are $200,000 more than any homes around this area. So us as citizens of, of Elk Grove should maybe do this, think about that same thing. I would definitely consider putting that on the ballot to put that on, on, the, on, the, on the shoulders of our citizens. I think it's a good idea. Like I said, the values of homes go up, the, the more people come to the area, it creates economic development. What more do you want? The best schools in California? I am for the best schools in California. Yes, I would definitely do that as an alternate. Next, we'll go to Cody Katara. And Cody will ask a question of the candidates in Area 6. Okay. Um, what role should technology play in classrooms in Elk Grove? And would you support the use of digital textbooks? Well, you know, that, that's one area where we're lagging behind as a district, and it's something that I became very concerned about when I came to the board. Uh, we need to cross the digital divide. We are lagging behind many of the other districts in the region in terms of our of our ability to provide technology in the classrooms. Uh, in our new schools, we're way ahead, but in our older schools, we're lagging. And one of the reasons is that we have a lot of existing facilities that were built in a time and in an era when we, they weren't prepared for, for, uh, for the technology and the, technology, the technological breakthroughs we've seen in instruction. Uh, for instance, at Elk Grove High School, I've been meeting with our facility staff to begin the process of envisioning w how to renovate, restore, or otherwise recreate the school in a way that will facilitate the use of technology in the classroom. Uh, because currently, we just can't put any more technology in those rooms. So we're looking at new and innovative ways to use existing funds that have been uh, generated through fee, uh, fee development for new construction to renovate that school that has really borne the wear of the years of overcrowding. Uh, second thing we're looking at is transitioning the way we fund technology from using it as a one-time purchase. You know, we buy computers this year, we'll buy a smart board next year. But transitioning to treating, uh, treating excuse me, technology like a utility. You know, you have to pay the water bill every month. You have to pay the electrical bill every month. Transitioning our approach to technology like that will allow us to, to keep up with the necessary refresh rates, to keep up with growing technology. And to get to the really important question that you raised on digital textbooks, if you ask our superintendent, one of the the things he hears from me literally every time I see him is, where are we on digital textbooks? When are we going to cross the digital divide? We're working on a policy right now that, that is coined BYOD, bring your own device. How do we license students so they can put it on their iPhone, they can put it on their iPad, they can put it on their smartphones, and they can carry those textbooks. When we cross that digital divide, and it's coming, we're really leaning hard on our textbook suppliers to get them to provide us the licensing and the releases to make it effective for us to use a BYOD type policy. 
Um, in terms of our, uh, our, when you look at what we're doing in our academies programs, our TAD academies, our um, visual, even in our visual and performing arts academies, in our engineering and sciences academies, we're providing kids with the latest high-end technology that's preparing them to go out into the work world and get jobs. Just the other day, we, we have a digital culinary arts academy where kids are learning all of the techniques of the modern kitchen, and they're learning it tied to technology. That's an academy where you talk about wanting to provide students job skills. We had 10 students who went to the teacher in the academy and said, we want to get jobs at the new restaurant coming to town, Leatherby's. Teacher was able to use the equipment we'd provided those students through the academy program, and six of those 10 students were trained in commercial ice cream making, and they were, I, we were successful in seeing 60% of those students get jobs, high-paying, good jobs for youth right now at a time when we desperately need it. I'm going to continue to fight for funding for academies. The state has attempted to, take, to cut it off, and we have to be advocates, uh, but the academies and technology are definitely priorities for this district. Absolutely. I would be in support of that, and I think it's important uh, to pr properly prepare our students for the future. I think the idea here is to properly train them in our schools so that they can actually be able to transition and integrate well into the professional world. I foresee a world, uh, a digital world, in which uh, uh, coming straight out of high school, uh, you would have to be able to have that capability and that, and that competency. Uh, but honestly, if we want to look at it realistically, what sort of cost are we looking at? Let's say we do get some sort of device for every student. What will the district have to pay out? And if we to say that we're going to provide a replacement of all the existing textbook that's already been out, that's already out there, that's the the taxpayers already paid for, these are real questions that we really have to look at. What? is the cost because I can tell you a student out of Valley High and Florin High can't afford to pay for that iPad. You know these are serious questions and now we go back to the question of whether having these devices it's a great idea but whether we are going to be denying access for all students and to me these as a school board member these are serious questions that I would, I would ask. I think uh, uh, at the face value I would definitely be in support of it but when it comes down to it what sort of cost are we looking at? What sort of access are we looking at? It makes sense. I think in the long run we would be saving money out of this. I think it makes sense that when you actually have a digital version, uh, you can update it real quickly with a patch. Uh, but realistically, the transition is what we really have to look at. And uh, you know, as, as a school board member, these are the, the, the questions that I would be looking at. And I'll be asking, I, I want a survey, I want to talk to the students whether this is realistic. I want to talk to the parents. I want to hear whether this is realistic for the parents who are struggling to make ends meet and whether they would go out to buy an iPad, whether they would need a, uh, to, to actually uh, uh, forego eating for, for a month. So concept is great, but the true question here is whether it's feasible. If it's not feasible, then let's go back to the drawing board. Let's go find a grant. Let's go find something, new money that can actually come in and test pilot a school. Test pilot to see whether the students have a tendency to, to take an iPad and wind up uh, losing it, uh, it which you know is, is, is a lot more valuable than a one textbook. But seriously, I am about looking at the money that actually comes in already, and I'm about making sure we make good decisions on using those monies effectively. We're going to go next to Diana Lambert, who will ask a question of the candidates for Area 7. School districts across the state will be subject to trigger cuts mid-school year if tax initiatives don't pass. If you are elected and they don't pass, what would you cut to balance the budget? Well, I am elected, and let's uh, hope that they do pass. Uh, I am uh, in support of the governor's initiative. I want to make that clear. Uh, we, uh, the school board for the Elk Grove Unified School District, will uh, have a proclamation, a declaration uh, at our school board meeting in which we endorse the governor's initiative. That's because we understand, I understand as your trustee, that I have to set aside my own personal feelings about taxation and allowing our representatives in the state of California to use our tax dollars to make decisions about what's best for kids. 
So I want to begin by making it clear that I do support the governor's proposition. That said, if they don't pass, uh, recently uh, I had an opportunity to sit with my colleagues and we entertain this very question. The first thing that we under, uh, I understand is that you have to send a very st very uh, direct message to the workforce and the, to the constituents that we have a budget for the remainder of this fiscal year that will allow us to plan and anticipate together working with all of our certificated classified personnel, all of our constituents, all of our parents, to talk about what we will do in the upcoming fiscal year. We've planned and anticipated, if the taxes didn't pass, what we would do. In addition, we want to m maintain morale and the unity in our school district. Elk Grove has an exemplary school district. We are very committed to maintaining that unity if the taxes don't pass and making sure that your children's academic academic opportunity and education is not compromised as a result of the taxes of the proposition not passing again the the other thing that we have to guarantee is solvency Fiscal solvency going forward. Now, again, let me reiterate. This fiscal year, we have a, an established budget. If the taxes don't pass, we will have together with all of our constituent groups look at what we need to do to maintain the solvency in our district and continue to communicate to the community and to the workforce that we are going to develop a plan together. And that would include going out and having focus groups in the community where we solicit the opinion of other constituents and taxpayers and, and parents asking them what would you like to see given the taxes haven't passed and we would do that together. We would also make plans for the future. There is an opportunity for creativity when we face adversity. We understand that that's been the hallmark of the Elk Grove Unified School District, being able to do creative things in the face of adversity. That would be the strategies that I would utilize. Thank you. I have to uh, agree with the number of the comments that Mr. Bolet just made. However, I would have already been doing that. I believe that with the direction that the board has taken over the last several years, morale has been lost. Educational opportunities for all learners has been lost. Today is not the day and tomorrow is not the day to begin to work with all the stakeholders to look at solutions to the fiscal problems. It should have been done last week, last month, last year, the last four years. I would, as a new board member, I would do what I have done in the past when I worked with the Santa Clara County Office of Education and we faced difficult fiscal issues. I would hold meetings with all stakeholders. We would come up with good solutions collectively. When everyone has an opportunity to give their input, no matter how difficult and how unpleasant the reductions might be, you have support. You have poor morale and you have a lack of community support for board decisions when they're not included, when you disrespect them. I have seen that in this district for too many years. That's why I'm running for candidate for school board. It's important to have funding for children's programs. What we need to do is take a serious look at every aspect of the district budget and ask the question, do we need to continue to do this? Do we need to continue to have this department? Do we need to continue to have these people? What do they do? How do they impact the classroom? Every decision the board makes with respect to fiscal issues has to be predicated on the basis, how does it impact the classroom? The classroom must always be the focus of all the fiscal decisions made by the board. Thank you.
I have to say I agree with just about everything he said. I, that's exactly how I feel. If it comes down to the fact to the point where we have to go line by line through the school budget and say, is your job relevant to the classroom of my students or the students of Elk Grove, every student, not just the high school kids, not just those in an academy. I'm talking about a kindergartner, a sixth grader, a ninth grader. I don't care who you are. Does your job make sense and will it improve those kids' lives in the classroom? And is your job being done by somebody else? Do we need to get rid of you? There, and to my knowledge, there are three people in charge of elementary education in Elk Grove. And I can tell you, I don't understand why there are. We have computers, everything's on, on computers. This, the education in each of the schools, as far as I'm concerned or have been told, is that in Elk Grove, it's standard across the board. Why are we paying three high salaries for something when they're just taking care of the principals, is my understanding. In the outside world, having 40 people under you as a manager is not unheard of. It's not too many people to manage. I don't understand why we have multiple people doing the same jobs. Those are dollars that can make it all the way into a classroom to make it better for our kids. And if we have to go line by line, if the, these initiatives don't pass, that's where we have to look. We have to go line by line, and we have to look for new grants, new funding. We have to talk to the parents. We have to ask the students, what do we need to do to make your education better? What do we have to do? We have to ask the parents, what is it that you need us to do to make sure that your kids are getting the education that you expect from Elk Grove? Because when we moved here, we were told this was a, an, an exemplary um, district. And I've been here for six years, and I have to, had to fight to get a decent education for my kids. And I'm sorry, I don't feel like they're getting a, the great education that I was told when I bought my home. And I want that for everyone in my neighborhood and every student in Elk Grove. I want them to get a great education. And I want to make sure that we do it. And I know we, we, we're going to have to make tough, tough decisions because people are, at the end, they don't have more money to give when it comes to taxes. And I think people have seen tax initiatives pass and pass and pass in the past. They are coming to me and saying, I've never seen one of those dollars make it to a classroom. What has changed since we passed that last initiative? Why are we back in the same spot again? We passed tax initiatives before for these same issues, and we're still here. The money still hasn't made it to a classroom. What are we doing? We're doing the exact same thing over and over again. We're not changing anything. Before we move on to the next question, I just want to ask the candidates to please make sure to lean into the mic. We had some complaints during the mayoral portion that it was hard to hear candidates. I know it's tough. You're sharing microphones, but please do your best to get, get right close in there. Um, and also to the audience, if you guys could uh, please just hold your applause until the end. That would be great. Thanks. And there, was um, a, there was a reference that a, there would be an opportunity to respond, and I do think some of the comments were directed certainly at me. So let me know how you plan to facilitate that. Sure. Um, I think in, in, in this case, uh, we can go ahead and give you a minute to respond. Uh, let me assure you, ladies and gentlemen, I've already said this very clearly, that uh, we are going to continue to work together with every one of our constituents and bargaining groups. When, you, when you're making decisions and you're beginning to look at health care, which we've been looking at and evaluating for 10 years in the Elk Grove District, we had one of the best health care packages for our, our employees, and we had to examine and evaluate the affordability of that, of that package. Those conversations can be very impactful. We had that discourse, that conversation, and we came out of it with an agreement that was won not just by the school board, not by administration, but by teachers, certificated personnel, classified personnel, and district personnel working together. I, before I was a school board member, was a member of the school finance committee talking about the issues that my opponents agreed that I did talk about in my uh, presentation. We came up with a solution that worked, and we are moving forward with those solutions in regards to health care. That's just one example of what we've accomplished in that discourse. Thank you. We're going to go to Dan Gowardy for the next question for the candidates for Area 6. Thank you. 
The uh, labor problems between the uh, school administrators and the various labor associations are very well documented, in particular the uh, teachers association. As a board member, what specific actions would you take or recommend to bridge this gap? Mr. Ramble first. Well, let me tell you what I have done. Before I became a board member, I reached out and met with our teachers' union. I met with the leadership in the union. That was an easy conversation for me, not because the issues were difficult, but because there was a relationship that we were both eager to build. Uh, that's a relationship I've had with that, that association going back to high school. Their leadership were my teachers. Their leaders were some of my best friends. Um, that's a relationship I was able to build because teachers are some of my best friends. I'm married to a teacher. My wife doesn't work in this district. I don't have any conflict of interest issues. My wife chose to stay in another district so that um, I could do this, the work I wanted to do here on the board for our schools. But after I met with the teachers union, I made a commitment. If you'll meet with me, I'll meet with you, and we'll continue the dialogue. Not because we agree on everything. Heck, we disagree about a lot of stuff but because we were committed to building a relationship and working in partnership, taking the road forward. That's why I have met with our teachers union on a regular basis. Maggie Ellis knows our teachers union president. She can call me when she doesn't like what I'm doing, and she knows that I can give her a call anytime I have a question or and a slight chance that I might not like something she did. Um, but we have, a, we have a relationship. There's a, there's a, I, I, we've built a relationship of trust. We built on that. Um, the union approached the district and said, you know what, we don't want to go through what we went through last year. And I, I was with President Madison when the initial request was made. Let's get some training. Let's get together and let's figure out how to work forward. One of the things we committed to was we're going to leave the past in the past and we're going to focus on building a relationship for the future. Last week, Mr. Ouellette and I, and many of the folks in the audience here, we participated in 15 hours of joint relationship building training with our bargaining units. Let me tell you something. I can't predict the future in terms of what the outcome of future negotiations will be. But I can say this, and I see some of our bargaining unit folks in the back who are at that training. Last year will never happen again. We made commitments. We established relationships. We built bonds. We are ready, all sides, to work together to make sure that this doesn't happen again. I want to thank President Madison, who's here tonight, for his leadership in making sure that we had that training. Uh, you know, it, it was an easy thing to do to take a couple days off work and sit with our bargaining units to get to know them, to break bread, to learn. I will tell you this. When I consider the issues of compensation and benefits for our teachers, I'm not just thinking, looking at numbers on a, bargain sheet, on, a, on a budget sheet. We're talking about the pay and benefits for my friends, my neighbors, the people who educate my children, the people who made me the success I am today. I get it. And I'm committed, and I've been committed. And I think, you know, you can talk the talk, and you can talk about what you want to do. But from day one, I've been there, and I'm going to continue to be there. I think in the past several years, it's pretty clear. There's a breakdown in communication. There's a disregard to the stakeholders. That's part of the reasons why I'm running. I am the only candidate here that is endorsed by the School Employees uh, Association, uh, the California School Employees Association, that is. And that's because I see it. I get it. What has happened is the board has become complacent, and they have not engaged with the stakeholders. If that was true... Why did we see what happened in the last couple of years? If that was true, why did we see the protest? You know, what doesn't make sense to me is this magical training, this uh, interest-based bargaining. This training is supposed to repair all of this. My only question that I have is, don't we share one common interest? Isn't the common interest to educate our students? Then explain to me, I don't get it. If that is the case, then why do we have to go do, through a training? If we all have the same common interest, why can't we sit together and, and agree on something? What has happened here is a total disregard to all the stakeholders. And when this happens, what you see is in the last couple of years. You see protests in the streets. You see mock funerals. This is serious. This is a red flag. 
don't tell me that because of this special training you're going to begin to fix everything because that's unacceptable. That's unacceptable because I see the front lines. As a front line educator, somebody who's actually in the field, I know how frustrating it is to actually look at my resources and realize that I need this particular curriculum or I need this particular thing to, in order to make my students successful. And what do I do? I come up with money out of my own pocket. Because my wife and I have done that for Elk Grove teachers. Because we see that it benefits students. And so we continue to do that. But the bottom line here is that what has happened in the past will probably repeat again. That's why I'm running. Because I see the frustration of school employees, of educators, that don't know what else to do. Because the ones that they have actually put on the board have become disconnected with them. And I'm here to tell them that I can be your advocate. I can be your person. Now, I have 30 seconds left, but I'd like to also reserve uh, a response to the conflict of interest comment. Is that permitted? Sure. Okay. Now, Mr. Ramble had... Uh, alluded to the possible conflict of interest. Yes, my wife does work here in Elk Grove Unified School District. That's true. In fact, I have a vested interest because of that. Now, I've heard this several times before, and I just want to make it clear that there is no conflict of interest when a board member votes on bargaining unit uh, contracts. And let's, let's be real clear. Education Code 35107, uh, sub-point E. I've also checked with the California School Boards Association. I've also checked with the Sacramento County Office of Education. This is set a law. And if, if, if I hear this again, I'm just going to quote this, this uh, cite this particular statute. Because, yes, I, I would have uh, the, 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 uh, the opportunity, and I would exercise it too, to vote on any sort of bargaining unit agreement that comes before the board, because the statute permits me to. Thank you. I think, Mr. Rambo, one minute to respond. Well, anytime you're voting on something in which you have a financial interest, you have a conflict of interest, whether it's a direct interest that you choose to conflict out of or not, it's maybe a personal interest. Um, again, the Education Code doesn't govern that, though. That's in the Public Reform, uh, uh, excuse me, the Political Reform Act in the Government Code. Uh, but, you know, that's a conflict that we all have to resolve. Um, as to the interest-based bargaining, I, I think it's really disappointing the attack that uh, Mr. Lee launched on our teachers because the interest-based bargaining tra training was a proposal of our teachers. The teachers brought it to us. It was a program created by CTA. They asked us to bring in CTA trainers for the program. We agreed to it. The district agreed to fund it because we thought it was healthy. You know, you think, think about relationships. You think about marriages. Sometimes you go through rough patches. There's a lot of frustration. You know you love each other. You know you're committed to the bond. But you know that you need some outside help. And you need some, some training, some guidance on how to improve your communication. That's what we did for 15 hours last week. We bridged up. those gaps. And to denigrate that and then to say that you want to be a bridge builder is, um, well, frankly, it's, it's kind of duplicitous and baffling. We're going to have to move on to the next question. Can I? Respond to that? Just I'm not going to let this get into endless responses because um, we have a limited time. But we want to go back to the candidates in Area 1 who have been waiting patiently over there. And uh, Diana Lambert has a question for you. In recent years, Elk Grove Unified has spent more on stipends, health, and life insurance for its trustees than any other school district in the area. Do you think that board members should earn benefits considering the continuing budget cuts that school districts are being forced to take? Go ahead, Ms. Parvis. I think, I know for, I can speak for myself. I am not running for school board for a stipend, a health benefit, or life insurance. I am running for school board for our kids to make a difference in their lives and to be an advocate for the kids in my area, the parents in my area, and it will affect the entire school district. So I think that, I don't think it's a waste, but maybe it's something that needs to be revisited. And uh, I would not be opposed to that going by the wayside. 
issue that we have on here is the stipends and insurance policy. The thing that we have here is we have to understand both sides. This position here is a volunteer position, has no pay, has nothing. Uh, one thing I do respect the board members that are right now running, are there right now, they spend endless hours on what they're doing voluntarily. Uh, the stipend, I believe it's, it's, it's uh, do you have the amount of the stipend? 620 a month? $620. Compared to 220000 that we can pay a superintendent, 172000 that we pay our associate superintendents. And these board members are putting in over 20 hours. Uh, how many hours you put in, Rolette? <laughs> I should ask the president. 20. The president's back there. But here, here's my thing. Send it to the people. Send it to the stakeholders. Let them decide how much these board members get. I, I myself, you know, and therefore the kids. I still have kids that are in the high school and middle school. But let us not forget the hard work that is going in from the board member. Uh, you know, I was at the time they were protesting when the superintendent was getting that pay hike. And the excuse was, well, you pay them better than the better quality you get. And then now we're asking the, the board members, well, I guess so you can say you can pay 220000 for good, but you can pay 620 for what kind of quality. Uh, for me, I can do it for free. It's not the money, but the thing is, the time of a person is the most valuable thing that anyone has. And if, you know, the man is due what he is due. And if the board members are spending a lot of time right now, um, the hours that they put in. I know that that is not their interest is to receive the money, but it should be up to the people. It's the taxpayers' money. Let them decide where their money goes. Thank you. Well, that's an easy one for me. I have two retirements. PERS, CalPERS, and STRS. 20 years of teaching and 25 plus, oh, 20, 23 plus years as a state civil service. So I will need this. I didn't come here for that particular thing. I'm here for the students and make sure they get a good quality education and, it, and the school board is managed very good. That's the bottom line. Um, I see in state government, that's what's going on. Everybody's making a deal re regarding this retirement funds. That's only 1% to 2% of the whole state budget. And I don't know why they're spending so much time on this issue. You know, when these state workers have, have vested their, their talent, their time and energy into giving back to California. I support good stipends for our workers, our teachers, all staff in Elk Grove Unified School District, yes. Let's give them good stipends. And it, why? Because when you have good stipends, you have good workers, and they would come back after year after year and not fearing a ping slip. That's terrible receiving a ping slip every, every fiscal year because of the budget matters. I'll, that's probably one of the reasons why I kind of transferred to the Department of Health Services because I got tired of those ping slips. And I was one of the best teachers in that community, in that district. I was a very innovative teacher when I was a teacher. But I just got tired of those ping slips. Not, I was worried about my paycheck, paying my mortgage, raising my kids. It's terrible under these conditions. I will support teachers, and that's the bottom line, and I will support that kids will get a balanced education in all academic fields. Thank you. We're gonna go to audience questions now because there are a lot of good ones. I'm gonna pose this question to the candidates for Area 7. Currently the school board doesn't post its agenda packets online or tape the meetings and put the meeting videos online. Would you support changing that to increase transparency and facilitate public engagement in the school board's actions? Go ahead, Mr. Rollett. 
Uh, absolutely, I would support that without hesitation. Uh, I uh, am a member of the district's technology task force and would continue to be a member of that task force and certainly would see that as a mechanism to make that happen. I think that transparency is best exemplified in sometimes in challenging circumstance and difficulty, such as when we had our very impactful uh, negotiations last year and when I went and talked to the teachers at my uh, daughter's elementary school without uh, any district personnel and I sat with them and listened to their concerns independent of anyone from the administration, not prompted by anyone. It's that kind of transparency that I support. I happen to know Elk Grove Radio uh, comes to our school board meetings and they are a very powerful vehicle in communicating to the uh, citizenry in Elk Grove what's happening at our school board meetings. In addition, during that very impactful period, not only did I conduct myself in a manner that was conducive to ongoing conversations, but I made myself available and had conversations with constituents and teachers who were concerned concerned about the negotiations and understood the difficulties our school district w was in or in uh, is not the responsibility exclusively of the school board, but a, a result to some degree to the state economy. That said, we had lots of conversations that promoted transparency in which I invited teachers, parents, constituents to come to school board meetings and direct and inform us regarding the impact of those negotiations. So back to where I began, would I support it? Without question. And in fact, I think the students, we have some very innovative students who could help facilitate making that happen. They could, by way of their own technology, come to school board meetings and help us post those uh, board minutes online and also help us. We have a wonderful academy, a visual and performing arts academy, that could help us post and record board meetings so that members of the community can participate in that. Because the teachers and those students collaborate so successfully together, given the environment that's created in the classroom, and that they are able to do those kinds of innovative and creative things. Thank you. Well, at the risk of uh, offending Mr. Rolette again, I would say, and why haven't you done it? You know, it's a great, it's a great thing when we hear uh, uh, suggestions made that uh, we can support them. Uh, Mr. Rambo made a comment that you, you can talk about what you want to do. Uh, everybody can talk about what they want to do. What's important is what have you done? Uh, something as is, is easy as is, is providing online agendas, uh, simple, should have been done years ago. The district has plenty of staff on hand. Sure, students can do it. it that's, that's not a particularly difficult uh, issue. It, it, it begs the question, why hasn't it been done? If you truly want a participatory community, then you provide them with the ease of access to information. It's really, really simple. I mean, that's, that's what so many schools have gotten into doing with respect to putting children's uh, uh, homework assignments online, putting their grades online, providing the kind of information that a parent needs to have to know what's going on at school. These are simple things that could have, should have, need to be done. Uh, of course, as a board member, I would provide online board agendas. I would give uh, the community an opportunity to submit agenda items online, not have to wait uh, and, and come to a board meeting to do that. Uh, it's, it's good to give people the opportunity to, to think about the impact of different board policies prior to coming to the meeting and getting the agenda packet and reading it for the first time. So yes, I, I'm totally in support of online agendas. I also am in favor of it. That's um, something that I 
from the beginning of wanting to be on the board wanted is transparency with the board, being a parent. I don't always know everything that's going on. Um, I've been in a position where I've had kids that aren't feeling well. I haven't been able to go to the meetings. So to have this opportunity would be um, outstanding. And also, like uh, Carmen said, um, to have that ahead of time so you can think about what you want to ask or what you want to say when they do give you that opportunity at the board meeting to pre present a question. Getting it five minutes before the meeting starts and getting three or four minutes to come up with a question isn't always enough time. So having that online and having it a, a couple of days ahead or a couple of hours ahead even gives you that opportunity. So I am absolutely for it and transparency is exactly what I as a parent want from my school board. We're going to ask the next uh, question to the candidates for Area 1. The Elk Grove Board and Trustees voted to give the current superintendent one of the most generous salary and benefit packages in the nation. Will you be as generous with our taxpayer money to administrators as the past board? First off, I don't think that we're going to have enough money to be generous with anybody in the future. and. Um, you know, I think it's going to need a little more looking into for me. It does seem very, very, very inflated, but I don't know what he was contracted for and are there legal requirements that we are bound by and therefore we have no choice. Um, if we do have a choice, then I think it's really up to us as a community to decide how important that position is and the amount of money that we're willing to spend on it. I don't think it's very clear cut, though, at this point. If I was ever offered a job where I can get free life insurance and, until I die, I want that kind of job. <laughs> and that's the exact thing that we offered our superintendent was free health care for life, him and his wife. Uh, but what happened was the, chair, the chairman at that time is the incumbent that is retiring, William Lug. He was a presiding chairman at that time. At that time, no one ran, all the board members ran on the polls. No one was ever involved. So what happened was, when you get that power and everyone seems like you can do whatever you can do, we have this kind of budget. Now we have to come back and fix it. Uh, but we also have to remember that this is the largest school district in Northern California. But it doesn't explain, now you match how much we're paying the governor and how much we're paying the superintendent. My goodness, it's darn close. But it, like I said, this is why we need you as the stakeholders at, the, at these meetings. We need you as stakeholders to voice your opinion when they're about to pass this uh, contract. Now we have a contract that we can't get out of because of a board member that was sitting on the seat for over, what, 31 years and now, now we have to reel back and the question is, how do you want the future for your kids to look like? Where do you want the money for your grandkids to go to? To a salary that we're paying to a superintendent or to make sure that the, the, the teachers are receiving the basic necessity needs? Uh, one of the teachers, that math teacher at uh, the girls' uh, high school didn't have calculators. And we were about ready at that time to cut the teachers. You know what happened? I wrote a letter to the principal. I said, the math class is missing the basic necessity, the TI calculators. Immediately the principal uh, called Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith called me back and said, Mr. Latoa, I don't know what you did, but our whole math department is getting TI calculators, and they even offered me to teach calculus. But if it didn't have the involvement of the parent, that would have never happened. So I'm asking you as a stakeholder to be involved. Come in and voice your opinion to our board members to see what happened. My thing is, if you ever offer anyone free life, free insurance till life, we all raise our hand. We want that uh, deal. But you know what? Uh, so I'm asking uh, that we look into that. But like I said, we're binded into a contract uh, with the superintendent. And for future dialogues, we need that transparency with our stakeholders so nothing like this will happen again. Thank you. Could you repeat the question again, please? Sure. Mm, and where did I put it? 
The Elk Grove Board of Trustees voted to give the current superintendent one of the most generous salary and benefit packages in the nation. Will you be as generous to administrators with our taxpayer money as the past board? Absolutely not. Why? Because that's one of the biggest questions or, or community responses that I've gotten from the community does not want to raise his tax, his income. They're very concerned. Why are we paying so much money for this guy? This and that. Why doesn't the money get to the students? And that's what they're concerned about. You know, yes, we're probably one of the big, we are the biggest top five uh, school districts in, the, in California. But yet, according to his contract, you, you know, you're going to have to look at it and determine, yes, he's going to get a cost of living increase. Yes, he's going to get this or that. But again, I'm not for paying him that much money. Also, that he gets evaluated. I'm not sure what the contract states, but they get evaluated according to a certain amount of objectives. And according to those objectives, if he fulfills that, he may get this or that. I don't know. But as for, for me, I think he's, he's maybe he's topped out. He's probably getting as much as he deserves, as, as, as I see it. And I, and I prefer that money going to a classroom. Okay? That's what the way I feel about it. Thank you. This will be the last question from the audience, and I'm going to direct it to both the candidates from Area 6 and from Area 7. If we could just go down the line, and if you guys could try and keep your responses, please do one minute each. The question is, from Patch Reader Elaine Lee, do you believe teacher evaluations should be based primarily on student test scores? Absolutely not. I'm sorry, is the microphone? Absolutely not. Um, we have evolved a system in California where we teach to the test and we expect everything to be, that we can determine everything we need to know about a student based upon a test. We don't have control over the home life. We don't know whether that child had a healthy breakfast. We don't know if mom and dad made sure the child got their sleep. And then we bring them to school and we take a teacher who has dedicated themselves to, to that child, to a classroom that unfortunately has grown in size, to all sort of external problems uh, pressures with a plethora of tests, a battery of tests they have to give. We put them through all of this and then we say, now we're going to administer a standardized test and we're going to evaluate all the successes and failures. We're not going to consider the fact that you bought that child's shoes when they came to school without shoes. We're not going to consider the fact that you've been fighting to draw attention to the bullying the child is facing at home or at his daycare facility, but we're going to evaluate you based on a test. Absolutely not. My wife is a test site coordinator at a high school. One of the things she can tell you is there are too many tests. She spent 27 days out of the classroom last year administering tests. Let's start doing real performance-based evaluations where we partner with expert teachers and administrators and evaluate our teachers on their ability to impact students' lives, not their ability to move the bar graph. I'm on the field, so I see this firsthand. Look, bottom line here is you have a test. What the test should be used for is to find out what the student is deficient in. This is how I use it. I use the CST scores and look at the strand breakdown. I find out which uh, areas in which the student needs help in, and then I focus in on that. That's what the tool is. Now, I would be opposed to any sort of test that would measure the student's ability and then use that to turn around and punish the, uh, the teacher. That's absurd. That's outrageous. And it doesn't make sense to me because I see it firsthand. Having my student show up to school is already the biggest accomplishment because of all the factors that are in that student's life, such as this student returns to the parents that are crack addicts. This is a reality. And so I just think it would be unfair if you use a test, a standardized test, to measure the, uh, the, and, and use that uh, to evaluate a teacher. Absolutely. Absolutely not. Currently, we have a system evaluation where teachers are uh, not given ample opportunity to evaluate and support each other. One of the, some of the best feedback comes from teachers about teaching. 
prior to the economic crisis, we had teachers who would work with other teachers together, with administrators and with parents, providing them with feedback related to the educational experience that their kids were receiving. I had a conversation with a teacher about test scores and that teacher said, what incentive is there for my students to do well on the test? For me? No. There, the incentive for the students to do well in the test is often a result of what happens in the relationship between that teacher and that student because there's no direct correlation for the student and the test. We understand that the most important relationship is the relationship between the teacher and the student in the classroom and the things, the resources that we do to get, continue to enhance that relationship are where we need to put our focus. The simple answer is, is no. I mean, teachers should never be evaluated just on, on test score performance. There are too many factors that influence whether or not a child is going to do well on any, any given day. That holds true for the weekly spelling test, the math quiz. There's too many factors that impact on, on a child's life. And when they come in to take that test, we don't know what the morning's been like the night before. And, and to, to grade a teacher based on, on the student's performance that day is wrong. What we do need to do is, is always look at how well does a teacher meet the needs of the individual learner. Our children all have different learning styles and, and that is, is important. How they motivate that child, how they respond to the needs is, is what we need to look at. I also think that it is not the best way to um, judge a teacher. I think that giving one test and saying, yep, you're a good teacher, or nope, you're a bad teacher, that just doesn't go. I, I, I mean, I work in the classrooms with teachers, and I see all the struggles that some of those kids come to school with, and I know that the teacher's doing all they can just to get that student through that day not knowing about tomorrow. So I do think that something in some way we have to figure out how to evaluate teachers because I have firsthand been had a child in a classroom with a teacher that I cannot imagine how they got in front of a classroom. But I've also am the parent of a student who was in a classroom with a teacher who now wants to be a teacher because of his fourth grade teachers. So I understand that there's issues in the classroom, but I also know as a parent that we've got to do something to make sure that the teachers in our classrooms are the teachers that need to be in our classrooms and should be in front of our students. They are our first line of education, those teachers, and they need to be the best people for that classroom. Thank you so much to all our candidates. That's all we have time for tonight. Thank you to all of you for coming. Please stop by on your way out. Check out our Elk Grove patch table and the Sacramento Bee table outside. And yes, thanks again to all the candidates. You've been listening to Radio Elk Grove. Radio Elk Grove is written and produced by Denny Gomez, who is solely responsible for its content. Music is written and created by Jason Elmore. Thanks for listening.